Happy New Year. Man, I feel like we haven't done this since last year. So it's, yeah, we're going to start off with a dad joke. That's right. Yeah, get, help you get through the headache and the, the lack of sleep and all that kind of stuff. It's great to be with you this morning. I hope you had a great Christmas. We had a great Christmas. Um, one, one of the things I wanted to update you on, too, is we always do at our Christmas Eve service, we do an Advent offering update. But invariably, as we kind of celebrate that and as the night goes on, that number tends to go up a little bit. And so I just want to let you know that we raised over $2,000 for Moments of Hope room at the end. So yeah, absolutely. Really fun, really fun thing to, to be able to celebrate. We've got a baptism today, uh, right as, as soon as we're done singing the, yeah, really excited about that. Uh, stoked about celebrating that. We're starting a brand new sermon series. Um, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of neat to start off the year here worshiping together. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. How many of you do New Year's resolution? Are you, are you into that? I'm like, no, if I raise my hand, then somebody's going to keep me accountable to that. I, I, I kind of, I'm done with New Year's resolutions. I'm just, I'm just going to continue on and try to continually improve a, as I go throughout my life, not wait for the beginning of the year. But I think, I think New Year's resolutions can be great. Um, if you're the type of person who, who kind of looks, looks at that and you think, nah, I'm good, everything's good in my life, I, I just let you know there's somebody in your life that could give you some ideas of, of ways that you could improve uh, throughout the new year. So if you're struggling with that, looking, looking for some ideas, there's somebody who, who loves you very dearly who could, who could help you out with some of those things. But here, here's the thing about resolutions. There's something that's much more important than just the resolutions themselves, and it's why we do them. Why, where our motivation comes from, why we think that we should improve, why we think we should make certain changes in our lives. Uh, life hacks and categorical, categorical improvements in our life, they all have their place. They can all be really good things, but what matters most is why I'm doing it and what kind of person I'm becoming because I'm doing those things. Uh, and, of course, the companion follow-up question is uh, becoming this kind of person based on what? Why am I doing things? So, so new year, we've got an opportunity for a new body. New year, new health. New year, new relationships. New career, new house, new car, new organization. Because everybody thinks that that's going to change everything in their lives, right? If I get the right kind of totes and pack it all away and only have five t-shirts and five pairs of jeans, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's going to change my life. New routine, new habits, new mindset. Listen, all those things can be amazing. And if you're trying to do that and you want somebody to be a cheerleader, for, for that, I'm sure there's somebody in your life that, that would happen. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'll be your cheerleader for that. Like, you, you can do it. Go for it. That's amazing. I think those are all good things. They're all good things, though, and all healthy things, provided that they're based on the right motivations and the right things. Because there are two possible paths for us to take. One is that we base ourselves and our new selves and the things that we want to do on ourselves. And, and that just doesn't quite work out the way that we think it does. Our greatest potential, then we, we think, you know, the way, that, the way that we think about this, our greatest potential comes from within. So it's based on our strength, our ability, our, you know, way of thinking. And so we look inward and try to base all, all these kinds of self-determined metrics based on our desires, desires in the moment without much regard for external, external influences or even establish reality. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure with the trump card of being able to exceed the parameters of the story by simply saying, I, I don't feel like it, or this is what I want to do because I want to do it. We can then create our own reality. And this is kind of the current popular way in which our culture operates. It's really a social experiment that we've all been a part of for the last several decades. 
in which that which is conceptual, what I want to be and what I think and what I feel in the moment carries greater weight than that which is concrete. The result is that most people are more confused, anxious, and angry as a society than ever before because we're losing more and more objective, common, solid ground and exchanging it for shifting sand. There's a second path, and the second possible path is that we base ourselves not on ourselves, but on something that is much greater than ourselves. That's what, that which gives us greater purpose and meaning than what we can generate from our own ability, or that only has value and pleasure for just ourselves. Those are the two possible paths, and we instinctively know the kind of person that we would rather be around depending on which path that they take. As we're moving through life, the first path is very selfish, it's very self-centered. The second one, though, is not limited by themselves or living for something else. They have the capacity for change and growth and relationship and the resiliency for dealing with what's in front of them, with dealing with reality. One is concerned with my truth. I, I can't stand that phrase, by the way. The other is just simply concerned with the truth, which is, which is always, always good for us at all times. And so as we kick off this first Sunday of the, this year, one of the biggest hopes that I have for us as a congregation, us as individuals, uh, for me, for my family, is that as disciples of Jesus, that we would know and love the truth. Because we live in a world that is broken by our sin, the thing that causes us so much grief and pain and shame and gets us caught up in the wrong path as we live and, and as we move through life are lies. We get convinced by wrong thinking, wrong motivations, our basis for why we do what we do, what matters, it can be twisted, and we all battle with the consequences of believing in lies. Some of us grew up in a household where we were told lies. Some of us buy into the lies that our culture tells us. Some of us get, get things twisted in our life, and we've all experienced this at some point and some degree in our life. And it's not so much that we tell lies to other people that, that is the, the crux of the matter, the, the big problem. It's a problem to be sure. The big problem is that we get caught up in living lies out in a world that increasingly exchanges the truth for a lie and surrounds itself with only what it wants to hear. This is a battle that we find ourselves in. This is the tension as followers of Jesus that we walk through in life. That's why we feel those things, because there's a battle between lies and the truth. And disciples of Jesus, we're in a spiritual war that, that is waged all around us, that is against the enemy, which is everything that is against truth. And the battle is for humanity. Our souls are at stake. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Let me, just, let me just stop right there. All right. Maybe, maybe that's really heavy after staying up past midnight tonight and, and kind of starting off and kicking off the year. Let me just go ahead and skip to the end, though. All right. So we'll, we'll, just, we'll skip all the way to the end. There, there's a battle and, and, and there's, a, there's a give and take. There's th those things that we're caught up in. But here, here's the thing that we know as disciples of Jesus. The victory, the war, has already been won. The war for the truth has already been won. And, and that's one of the things that we're called to trust in, to hope in, and be confident in as we move through disciples of Jesus. That's why we can be resilient when we hold on to the truth as we live through life and as we are at battle against lies that show up in our lives. When we are grounded in the truth, this gives us great comfort because we know where we stand at all times. We stand with God, the creator, the standard, the sustainer of truth, 
and it helps us to be resilient against the, the attempts of the enemy to rob us of the joy of the truth. All the enemy can do is lie, because the enemy knows that they've already lost. It's only effective only when we believe and live out the lie rather than the truth. When Jesus, uh, Jesus talked, uh, talked about truth, why he came uh, to, to share the truth, he talked about this all the time. It's throughout the entirety of the New Testament. And when Jesus is about to be executed by the Roman Empire for the lies his enemies told him about him, he is questioned by Pontius Pilate about who he is and what he is about. And listen to, listen to Jesus' response. He answers Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this pur purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Here's, here's the purpose. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So, that was one of the primary reasons for why Jesus came, is to bear witness to the truth. He won the victory against lies, against deception, against unreality at the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. But through his life and his teaching, he's bearing witness to God's word, to, to the truth. Earlier in John, Jesus identifies what happens when we know the truth. This is from John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth from Jesus sets us free from the lies that have permeated our lives and wage a spiritual war against our souls from enemies that hide in plain sight. The devil, the flesh, the world. These are all things that scripture talks about. Very few people want to be lied to. Nobody would raise their hand if I said, who wants to be lied to? No, none of us actually want to be lied to. But if we don't stand up to the ones that we're told, we'll be trapped by them. And so there is a better way, and that is to know and love the truth. And the truth will set us free. It sets us free from the bondage of sin. It's both through the actions of Jesus and through his teaching that we learn the truth and help us to experience the freedom that following Jesus offers. It produces truth because it helps us stay on the path of reality and actually dealing with what God calls us to deal with and, and dealing with the world as it is created and understanding that we're made in God's image and that we are not a sum of the lies that we have been told and been taught to uh, focus on and be a part of, but that we can experience the truth that sets us free through the teaching of Jesus. Let, let me put it this way. We, we know that there's established absolute truth and reality in our, in our world, and we practice this every time we go somewhere. You ever, you ever follow a map or follow GPS, really, that's giving you bad, bad directions? That's happened to me a couple times. Google Maps, and I know, this, I know this may sound crazy, but Google Maps has steered me wrong before. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Is there? Okay, yeah, a couple of us are. Yeah, so we live out in the country, and there's some times where it's like, turn right on this private gravel driveway, gravel driveway because this will take us to your road that's way over here. It's like, no, that is not a shortcut. Like, you can't drive through the cornfield uh, to get where you're going. I mean, there's way too many trees through there. It's just, it's just not going to happen. There are some times where I, I've, been, I've been sent off course. One of my favorite scenes from a TV show is from The Office. 
Some of you might know where I'm headed to, but the, one of the characters is following a GPS, and the GPS says, turn right at the next intersection, and he starts turning right. And the guy in the car is like, no, you can't do this. This is a, a boat loading ramp. Like, you're going to drive into the lake. The GPS, turn, turn right, turn right. You know, so he pulls into the water, and the car's floating, and the, the GPS says, make the nearest U-turn. You know, it's like, no, you're supposed to bear right onto the, onto the thing. I mean, uh, you remember, you remember having to buy real maps for your car? Anybody do that? I used, to, I used to do that. And then MapQuest came out, and if you drove anywhere you know, longer than two hours away from your house, you had to kill a tree uh, to print out you know, all the directions and have, have, them, have them in there. Um, maps matter. Directions matter. And whether or not they're accurate matter. Because the implications are whether or not, it, it's not like how we feel along the way. Like, Directions on a map and a place on a map, they don't care about your feelings. It, it has to do with whether or not you ever arrive at your destination. And so, so we, need, we need the right direction. We need the right path in order to arrive where we're supposed to go. And God has created a way for us to experience contentment and peace and joy through Jesus and what he has done through his teachings, through his actions, is through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And if, if, we're missing, if we're missing that, if we're missing the truth of, of those directions to experience what God has created us, the goodness that God has created us to experience, then, then we're not, not going to head in that direction. We're going to miss how God has meant for us to move through, through life. Um, earlier this week, we were driving the car to Martinsville, and I have a, a almost in, a, in, what, 20, 22 days? I'm going to have a 15-year-old, um, which is a little sobering. And a 15-year-old that, that is raring to go for their learners. And so we were just talking about directions and how you, how you get to where you're going. Because I'm going to have to teach that in, in, in our house of directions. Because we'll, we'll be going along and the map will say, turn left. And Renee was like, turn right here, turn right here. Oh, no, no, it's a left, sorry. Um, and uh, so it gets really interesting. But we were talking about where the sun is and how we use the compass. Like, hey, this is how we know we're going in the right, the right direction. And uh, we got a fancy car. It's a two, uh, 2012 car that has a compass in it. And so I was pointing, pointing that out. Like those, those kinds of things matter. Those markers that we have, we need directions. Um, if we get stuck somewhere, if we're stuck in the middle of nowhere, we need to know how we get to the actual place we're trying, we're trying to go. Whether or not we arrive at the destination is at stake, and there's no argument about that absolute truth. And the truth that Jesus talks about, that he came to bear witness to, gives us a resilient grasp on reality to navigate life as a disciple of Jesus. Now, even if, even if you're in a place where you're like, well, I'm, I'm not really sure about God. I don't know that I'm totally convinced about Jesus. I just, just want to let you know, everyone is a disciple. Everyone's a disciple of something. Everyone's a disciple of someone. Every, every one of us have been taught, we've learned things as we go through life. We have a certain mental map of reality that we navigate life through, whether or not we're fully convinced of what that is or not. Everyone is, uh, uh, everyone in the way that we think about life and the ideas that we embrace, that becomes the mental map of reality that we use as a guide to lead us through everything that we face in life. And those ideas matter because they shape our behavior, they shape our reactions, they shape how we live out our faith and our life. And we see evidence of this all throughout our culture. Unfortunately, the evidence is kind of poor right now. John Mark Comer writes in his book, Live No Lies, which, by the way, is the inspiration for this sermon series, and I highly recommend that you read this book. 
He says, the emotional, relational, familial, societal, political meltdown that we've been living in for years now is daily proof of the fact that our mental maps are off, that we're drifting further and further into dangerous territory. And I'll, I'll just let you know, as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, unfortunately, the church gets caught up in a lot of those lies and a lot of some of those same experiences in our world because sometimes we're engaged a lot more with what the world is doing and what the world is talking about than we are with the truth that Jesus shares and teaches and commands. People are being discipled by so many different things, so many different resources. Um, none of the resources that we use to consume our information are neutral. I, I, hope, I hope you know that like every media that we consume, every, every minute that we spend on social media, news media, what, whatever those things are, entertainment, none of those things have neutral influences on our lives. All of those things point us in directions. They teach us things. They're discipling us in certain, certain uh, areas. And how we, use it, how we use those things matters to our well-being and the evidence of who or what is discipling us. Here's what Paul says to give this edification of how we know that as disciples of Jesus, we are knowing and loving the truth. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You and I can know what God's will is. And I know sometimes that, that, can be, that can be a matter of tension for a lot of people. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. What, what does God want me to do? We can know and do God's will for our life. And how, how is this possible? Jesus says, listen to my voice. Hold to my teaching. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind simply by, by knowing what God's word says. And that, that's knowing scripture. Knowing, knowing the Bible. Knowing, living, and combating the lies of this world with the truth of God's word, it changes us. It changes our brains. It changes how we, how we, how we live. It, it develops our mental map of reality that helps us to move through life in the way that God has created us to experience it and understand it. And, and, and the, let's, I, I always, always feel like I need to say this. Um, it, it's going to help you live a better life, but that's, that's not necessarily the point. This isn't necessarily about self-help. This isn't about, you know, new year, new you. You know, you're, you're going to be this amazing thing and never deal with anything tough in your life. Um, what, what it does is it helps us to give, it helps to give us a better view and vision for who God really is and how he actually works and operates in, in, in our lives. You know, when we, when we read scripture, when we know scripture, when we hide it in our hearts, when, it, when it's permeating and discipling us in our lives, it's, it's not because we're going to get to heaven and there's going to be a pop quiz. And Peter's going to be at the gate and he's like, I got 10 questions. Uh, first, you must answer these questions three. Uh, Monty Python uh, fans are going to appreciate that one. Uh, what is your name? Uh, what is your favorite color? Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> Blue, I mean green. Ah. Okay, uh, that was not in my notes. Um, look, there's not, there's not going to be a theological pop quiz when we get to heaven where it's like, oh, we're going get, to get all these things. Um, but, but the condition of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and the conception of who you are giving worship and glory and honor and praise to, all of that matters. The doctrine and the theology, you, you know, it's not, 
again, it's not because there's a, like a written exam at the end, but it's because it helps us to actually understand who God is and his character and his nature and how that influences us and how we're supposed to, supposed to experience life. Like, what do we do as disciples? Why are we here right now? After we stayed up past midnight, you know, and only got six hours of sleep or whatever it was, like, why are we here? Because, because we know that as being here and gathering together, is a, is a part of our conception and understanding that life is, is more than just us. That, that we've tried life on our own and on our own path, and we know it doesn't lead to anywhere good and sustaining and joyful. That, that we need life in terms of how God is, and so we spend our time worshiping together uh, to gather to fellowship and encourage one another. We gather to share and serve, to uh, use our resources to contribute. We're spiritually disciplined. We share our faith with others. The list goes on. We, we know what we do as disciples and how we respond to the truth of God because we know them from the Bible. And we are to know and do and feel that which is consistent with what God has created because that helps us to live within reality. Knowing the truth sets us free. And, and I, I just want to share this progression of thought that we all need to engage in, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you what it is and tell you kind of where where the world is on this thing, the progression of thought that helps us to live within reality that God invites us to to engage in. It's really really simple how we know and and love the truth, and that is as we move through life. It's just three three simple words, and this is gonna help you help you I hope with establishing a, a good foundational mental map of reality, is that as we move through life, we know, we do, and we feel. Let me give you the contrast, because I, 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 th I think that will kind of help. The way that our world operates right now, like our cultural mental map of reality, is that we feel, and then we do, and that helps us know. Here's what the problem is. Um, reality, truth, doesn't care about what we feel in the moment. So I can feel that I want to go to Chick-fil-A that way. That way is not going to take me to Chick-fil-A. I want to go due south. Maybe eventually I'll hit Chick-fil-A. But Chick-fil-A is over here. You, know, you go one, one of these ways. It, like you can, you can, well, I want to go up. I want to fly up into the air in a hot air balloon and go to Chick-fil-A in the sky. I, it doesn't care. It doesn't, well, and Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. So that's, that's, what a terrible example that is. So you're, yeah, you're not going to Chick-fil-A no matter what. <laughs> you are not getting that chicken sandwich. It's just not going to happen. As much as, as much as you want that thing, as much as you feel that, even if you were to break in and, and do it yourself, you know, then you're going to know that's like, all right, that's not the way to, to, to go about things. When, when we know the truth of God and we, we put it into practice, that's when we experience what he has created and meant for us to experience. Because we've got to navigate through the truth and the lies. We, we've got to go through, hey, you know, you do whatever you want, be whoever you want, decide, make any choice that you want in, in those things. That does not lead, yeah, we can, you know, go based on those feelings and do those things, but that's, that's how people become so confused and anxious and angry and stressed and depressed in, in, in life, because it doesn't lead to where we think it's taking us. It's the, it's the wrong mental map of, of, of reality. It, it takes us to unreality, and yet God says, hey, he, here's Here's the truth, and the truth, it's going to set you free. So I want to let you know what that is through Jesus. And here, here are my words preserved, 
preserved for you so that you can know and love the truth, so you can know the truth, so you can put it into practice. And when you do those things, you can be confident that God is working in and, and through your life just exactly as, his, as he promises. And it's not based on your feelings, but change and shift, like shifting sand. You know, the winds and the waves are tossed and stuff. This gives us an anchor and a foundation for what it means to be, um, to be followers of, of God, but to be truly human and how God has created us. We are more anxious and separated and less happy than ever as a society because we continually separate ourselves from reality. Where you want to arrive doesn't care about your feelings or your mental and emotional health. But God does. God does care about, uh, God does care about your contentment. He does care about your joy. He does care about, about your happiness. And he gives us, he gives us the truth so that it can set us free from the things that are holding us back, from experiencing God's love and his mercy and his grace. One of the things that, um, one of the things that we're called to do as we respond to God, we've got this example of baptism that's going to be happening here at the end of service. One of the things that we're called to do to uh, respond to God is faith, um, baptism, confessing who, who God is. Um, what, but... The, the other thing is repentance. Repentance is one of those things that I think, you know, oh, and then th- this initial uh, thought process of saying yes to Jesus, that, all right, God, I'm sorry. Like, I, I recognize I've sinned. I, I know that I need your grace and mercy so I can experience your love. I know I haven't been able to get there myself. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm sorry. Uh, repentance is something much deeper and richer than that uh, on a couple levels. One is the idea of the word is, is to go in a different direction. So, again, that mental map of reality and, and repentance is you've been heading this way. This way is taking you away from God. That's what sin does. It, it, it wraps us up in this lie. It takes us away from God. And so repentance is saying, okay, now, now I'm going to turn. I'm going to head in the, uh, the opposite direction. That direction is going to take me to him. And so I'm going to put in the faith and the practice that Jesus models in, in my life. Um, but it's not just the actions, so, so it's not, sometimes uh, repentance is, oh, well, I'm going to show up to church every Sunday, and I'm going to, yeah, absolutely, you should do that. Uh, you should be a part of a small group. You should serve. You should give. You should be a part of all those things. You should love your neighbor. A- absolutely. Um, but it also has to do with the way that we're thinking. And, and so w- there's, this repentance is not just this one-time thing that we did in the past when we said yes to Jesus. It's an ongoing process that we engage in. Because repentance helps us to remove some of those pervasive thoughts that, I don't know, maybe, maybe you were lied to as a kid. You know, you constantly th- feel like you don't ever measure up because of the way that your parents treat you or, or all those kinds of, you think you've messed, messed too many things up in your life so God, you know, can't possibly do anything with you. Whatever those lies are that you, you've caught up in, that repentance helps us to replace those lies with the truth. Where God says, no, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. No, you're made in my image. No, I've, I've sent Jesus you know, to die on the cross uh, to, to redeem you back uh, to, to myself. No, you, you couldn't be more precious to me. You, you, and, and so that, that process of engaging in God's word and being reminded continually of, of what God says is the truth versus the lies that we get caught up in or convinced of that the enemy wants us to focus on. Um, this, this is the ongoing process of repentance that we are called into, is recognizing, hey, this thing that I hear on the, I don't know, it doesn't matter where it is, the news or on social media or from a friend or from my parents or whatever it is, if it doesn't match up with the truth of God's word, then it's taking us in the wrong direction. 
So it's time to put that aside, to repent and, and move toward the right direction. Um, part of this is, is replacing, again, not just not thinking about the lies, but replacing them with the truth. So when we know Scripture, when we read it, when we live it out, um, it gives us a, a different conception of how God wants us to think about our lives and our reality. The key is not to just think about Scripture, but it's to know it and repeat it and live it out. And when we curate our attention on Jesus and allow the way that he thinks and the way that he acts and the way that he lives into our minds, we begin to experience his peace, his love, and his compassion for all and his deep, pervasive joy. We become calmer, more loving, happier, peaceful, resilient, just by being within the truth of his word. Like I said at the beginning, I, I want us, my, my hope for us as disciples of Jesus for us to know and love the truth um, because it helps us to be more resilient against the enemy. Um, one of the things I think over the, the past couple years uh, that, that I've, I've, I've seen and, and li- lived through and experienced is the, the lack of resiliency that so many Christians have had in, in the things that have happened around them in, in the world and how, how we've dealt with those things. If we're anchored in the truth, if we're continually reminded by the truth, um, it affects our ability to be faithful and experience the joy of life that God wants for us. And that's my hope and my desire. To know and love the truth, here's my, here's my simple, simple takeaway. Just read your Bible. Just, just read it. it, it well, how? how? I, I don't care. <laughs> Um, listen, does listening to it count? Absolutely. Yes, audiobook, however long, like chapters at a time, a few verses each day, whatever. Just read your Bible. Spend a little bit of time each day. If you've got time for a 30-minute or hour-long you know, TV episode or YouTube for two hours or listening to news um, at all, then read your Bible. Exchange some of that time. Replace some of that thinking with, with God's mindset, with God's thinking, with Jesus' teaching. And that, that's, that's it. Like, that, that is the practical. This week, just read your Bible. As much as you want, as, it sounds strange to say it this way, as little as you want, you know, whatever that looks like, just each day find some time to be, to be in your Bible. Because, listen, there are plenty of other things being talked about. There are plenty of other ways in which we're being discipled. There are plenty of other um, things that are grasping for our attention. We've got to be intentional about who we're giving our attention to and what we're being discipled by and what truth and what mental map of reality that we're holding on to. And so my encouragement to you um, is, is, uh, is, is read your Bible because the, you know, the, the implications are if, if you're not, then, then you might not be living in the truth. You might, you might get caught up in a lie and you might be taken down a path that you never expected to be on and you might find yourself in a place where you're kind of standing around looking and saying, God, what, what in the world? How did I end up here? And, and I'll tell you what he'll tell you. It's like, hey, listen to the sound of my voice. This is what Jesus says. Listen to the sound of my voice. Focus, focus on my teaching and, and you'll end up exactly where, where I'm trying to bring you and where I would like for you to be. Let me, encourage you, uh, let me encourage you to spend time reading your Bible. Everything that we consume is competing for the reality that we live in. May we, may we live within the reality that God has created. 
from the beginning. May we know and love the truth. May we spend time soaking it in and being reminded of it and repeating it every time we hear the lies. Because this is, this is how we become followers of Jesus. This is how we experience the life that we were always meant, meant to have in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time for us to just stop and focus on one thing, and that is you. To direct our hearts and our minds, our souls and our strength solely into worshiping you and recognizing who you are. That you invite us into knowing you. That the way that, that you even write, write and record and um, preserve your word for us is, is very much in line with, with practical reality, everyday life, the way, that, the way that we experience things, that you even, you even did that yourself. You even gave us the example through your son, son Jesus of what it looks like to, to live within the truth. God, we ask that through the Holy Spirit you guide and direct us, that you give us the courage, the strength that we need to, to recognize the things that um, maybe that are, that are pulling us in different directions. God, help us to stay centered and focused on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.